science guy. Teach me something I don't know. What makes water turn to ice? Okay, come and have a sip. Let me tell you what it is. And just like a Bunsen burner, I'm about to get this lit. See, my specialty is biology, but I can teach you a whole lot of knowledge. See, from astronomy to zoology, what I want you to do is follow me like cell division. It's my mission, right down the middle with precision to the moon. Just like a rocket, spark up in your eye, light to a socket. It's that science drip, not abstract like you did. Got my lab fully equipped, fast like a silicon chip. So check the scientific method, but that's not an illusion. Don't skip the vital step. Now you jump a new conclusion. Start on nuclear fusion, cause I'm as bright as the sun. I can't divide into two, so you know I'm the one. I'm Isaac Newton's favorite son. Setting laws in the most deep like the Mariana Trench at the bottom of the ocean. So listen to me now. I don't know how long it lasts. The black science guy showing yo, it's the podcast. Hey, what's going on, y'all? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Black Science Guy Podcast. And I'm so glad you're here. I didn't know how much I missed recording this show until I couldn't. Unfortunately, I had some technical difficulties with my old laptop. I had to make a few moves, get a new laptop, since I use it for school as well as recording this podcast. But I got it all figured out now so I can bring you all that good, good science you got used to. So now that I'm back, I got a little something in the works for you. I'm going to start bringing you some guest interviews as well as some on-location stuff to science-friendly places. I'm going to start a biography segment profiling some of the lesser-known scientists who never got the recognition that they deserve. Now that I've gotten that out the way, let me introduce you to my slime. Well, everyone's slime. Slimes are one of those things that are just about everywhere. Slime makes the organic world go round. Slime is defined as a moist and viscous gelatinous substance. For the most part, they're soft and slippery and generally grosses people out. Now there are many types of slimes out there. The slime that your body creates, slime that's found in nature because every, I'm calling you out platypus, mammal is born in slime. So today we're going to learn a little bit about these slimes, how it affects you on the daily, and what it would mean for life on earth without it. Let's get it. As I previously stated, slime is a moist and viscous substance and this means that its purpose is as a type of lubricant. And what do lubricants do? They serve as a substance that is distributed to reduce friction between surfaces that are supposed to meet each other. Let's take the joints in our body. Say your knees. As we get older, our joints don't produce as much synovial fluid or joint fluid as we used to. This is the reason why many older people end up with stiff joints and difficulties moving like they did when they were younger. But what if your knees didn't have synovial fluid at all? Would your knees grind like bad gears on a stick shift? I don't know if that would happen, but it still doesn't sound like it would be a good time. Your body produces all types of slimy things. Wait, that thing you just did right there. You, you just did it again. And again. The thing I'm talking about is the accumulation of saliva when you swallow. Saliva, a slimy substance in your mouth, is extracellular fluid that's created and secreted by your salivary glands. It contains all types of things like water, white blood cells, proteins, mucus, bacteria, enzyme, and some other things that are benefited to your body. 
Saliva helps aid you in eating that Coney Island hot dog by lubricating the food and offering a little pre-digestion even before it gets to your stomach and then is further broken down by enzymes like pepsin. Besides the slime that your body produces, there are some other types of slime found in nature called slime molds. Slime molds are eukaryotic organisms that start out as free-living single-celled or can link up with others to make a multicellular organism, a single supercell. When it's time to reproduce or when food gets really hard to find, they can form little reaching tendrils that grow almost a centimeter a day. There are many slimes, more than 900 species that fit this mold. But it's probably the plasmoidal slime molds that you may be familiar with. This is the yellowish pulsating mass that has a lot of nuclei hanging out around on the inside. What makes them super dope is that there isn't enough food in their vicinity, they just form like Voltron and pack up and leave. This slime mold uses chemical signals, mainly calcium, to move itself into one giant single supercell. Without slime molds, our forests and soils would have a huge overrun of bacteria. Scientists have been conducting experiments to see how intelligent they are as far as solving problems. They've been putting the mazes and other types of puzzle devices and have astounded researchers with their abilities. As you all will see, I'm an anime and manga lover, so an anime I had gotten into was that time I was reincarnated as a slime. Long intro short, it's about a dude who gets killed and then is reincarnated as a slime. The character Lord Rimuru, who is the slime, now takes on different abilities like mobility, absorption, shape-shifting, reactive adaption, much like real slime molds do. I highly recommend watching this anime or reading the manga light novel if you enjoy these type of things. I know, I know, slimes are gross and nasty and you really don't want to think about them, but remember, without them, life would be very difficult for us organic beings because once upon a slime, we were all primordial soup. I said, aha, what's that sound? Strange science fact that is going down. This strange science fact is about bioluminescence in humans. Imagine your body glowing like one of those deep sea creatures or even that firefly in your backyard. Bioluminescence is light that's produced in living organisms that is caused by certain chemical reactions. This reaction comes from when oxygen reacts with luciferins, the result of an enzyme, then produces energy in the form of light. There are many organisms out there who have the ability to produce this reaction like some bacteria and algae, worms and fish. But in those instances, they're much more pronounced than anything that can be produced in humans. The human body can emit visible light, but only in small quantities. It's usually a thousand times less than our eyes are sensitive to. This is seen because of a byproduct and biochemical reactions having to do with free radicals. There were studies performed by researchers in Japan where they used very sensitive cameras that can detect single protons to measure the amount that can be seen. Their research found that the light being emitted is somehow linked to our internal body clocks. This may have to do with how our metabolic rhythms fluctuates over the course of a day. So, the next time someone tells you that you're glowing or keep shining, they aren't too far from the truth. This episode's science question comes from Luca MS in Arizona and he asks, Dear Black Science Guy, how are permanent markers made? Thank you for your question, Luca. Well, let me give you a bit of history before I explain it to you. The patent for the first felt tip marker was filed in 1910 by Lee Newman which consisted of a small cylinder filled with ink that flowed to a felt tip. 
The world wouldn't get its first modern version of a marker until Sidney Rosenthal invented the magic marker in 1953. After that, improvements have been made on the design until we have the product that's available today. So that's a little background on where permanent markers came from. So now on to your question. Okay, so placed inside of a plastic tube, there's a sponge-like material, the same one that comes out of the tip of the marker. The airtight plastic tube is filled with an ink that consists of three different components, a pigment for color, resin to help the color stick to surfaces, and a solvent to help the ink flow through the tip. And there you go. If you have a question for me or something that you want to know, you can reach me at blackscienceguypodcast at gmail.com and I'll put in that work to answer your question. I also want to give a big ups to Crayola. Upon doing research for this question, I found out that they have a program called Color Cycle where they upcycle old markers into usable energy. They also turn them into roofing, shingles, and asphalt. I think that's really cool. So for more information, check out Crayola's initiatives on their website. And now it's time for another fresh news off the webs. The segment where I go over some of the current events happening in the world of science off of the internet. Scientists have successfully grown plants and soil collected from previous moon missions. Their intentions were to see if plants could be grown in lunar soil. This endeavor turned out to be a success, making this the first time in human history that plants have been grown in an extraterrestrial medium. These University of Florida researchers whose work is published in the journal Communications Biology prove that plants can sprout in this soil. This hopefully one day will prove useful in helping us produce food and oxygen on the moon, Mars, and into space to further aid our ascent into the stars. This one is exciting. Caught for the first time ever, astronomers have revealed the first image of the black hole that's located at the center of our galaxy. This black hole, named Sagittarius A, is located close to the border of the constellation Sagittarius and Scorpius. This was achieved by linking together 11 telescopes located all around the world, ultimately creating one humongous telescope with a mirror that's the size of the Earth. As I mentioned in a previous episode, I spoke about the Voyager's 1 and 2 space probes and how they are still transmitting data to Earth from outside of our solar system. Well, recently, some of the data from the Voyager 1 probe has been sending back some unusual data. Engineers from NASA says that it's nothing wrong with the instruments or systems, but reporting from the craft's attitude articulation and control systems aren't syncing with the probe's orientation or its movements. This may be an indication that the craft is confused about its spatial positioning. Engineers are baffled as to what is happening, but at least it hasn't gone into safe mode yet. It's conservation mode, so it's still working. Well, we've come to the end of the show. This was fun. I enjoyed making this one. Felt good to get back behind or in front of the microphone. I got some super dope content dropping in the next few episodes, so be sure to tune in for that. And remember, I don't have all the answers. No one does. But what I do know, I'm happy to share, and what I don't, we can learn together. Please check out the Black Science Guy podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. Later.